Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's Business Soup. I'm your host, John Dibbavoise, and on this serving of Business Soup, we're going to be talking with the co-founder of Escape Fitness, Matthew Genusek. He took that to a $33 million global business, and since then, he has worked with the great brands such as the UFC, Equinox, Sanctuary Fitness, and a whole lot more. We're going to talk about how you can build a six-figure product-based business. We're also going to talk about how, in the pandemic era, you can become a personal trainer to others online and in person. He's learned a lot over the 20 years, and when you go from zero capital to over $33 million, it's time to sit up and pay attention. Matthew Genusek from Escape Fitness is joining us right here at the table on Business Soup. Matthew, welcome to this serving of Business Soup. Hey, John. Thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to have you. You talk about escaping your limits, and you have been the founder, the founder of Escape Fitness, and you've taken this company into the double digits in the million-dollar atmosphere. What was it that made you decide, you know what, I can create a business out of lifting weights? What was it? <laughs> well, I, I, it was more, I, they say people are motivated by pleasure and pain. Um, I, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but I, I was certainly motivated by pain um so i was kind of um i, I left school with, without very good well when when i say very good grades I, I actually didn't get any grades i i kind of left pretty young i had one exam and um my prospects of opportunities in in the you know job world weren't that great um i wasn't a fan of school um, i'm not recommending that for my children that's for sure but i i kind of drifted for a long time in my younger years and although i was a hard worker i sort of had two or three jobs most of the time it, they were more sort of I did my main job that gave me a bit of stability and then in the evening I used to work in nightclubs and bars and then I would sort of buy and sell stuff on the side you know whatever I could nutrition and clothes or you name it anything I could kind of get my hand on so I, I always enjoyed wheeling and dealing and working but I didn't really um weren't really creating anything that was sustainable and I got to a stage in my life in my sort of mid-20s and thought well I you know I need to kind of meet a girl and get married and have a family and so you know that, that kind of I, thing I, I does realized, happen you know it happens to all yeah. of us yeah <laughs> and it, and i thought well I, I need to sort myself out and, and find a business so my father and i he was working somewhere at the time as well and he was an engineer and he had a, a belief and a dream that one day poland would be a great central european manufacturing base and i i sort of had a bit of a dream that i wanted to do something in fitness because it had been my passion since i was a young lad at 15 and and we managed to sort of find you know i found an idea took it to my dad and we you know we we without really a lot of knowledge no sophisticated business plan just a lot of passion and hard work we managed to kind of get something started and the very early days of a of a fitness distribution business so you didn't go through the what I call the five points of a business with you didn't sit down and write a business plan and then come up with well a budget and this is what we're going to do like any other normal business today you just said wing it <laughs> well yes is the is the answer now if i if i was to do it again and if if i was asked for advice about setting business. There's a number of things that I would do. But, you know, it's interesting to sort of say, well, what what was it that 
was really important in those early days. And all, all of that stuff, those five points are great, very, very important. But I, I, you know, one of the things I think that holds a lot of people back is getting started and not just having a great idea and be excited for a few weeks, but getting started, taking off and sustaining a bit of altitude. That is extremely difficult. And yes, managing cash flow, and there's a, there's a number of things that come. But Unless you can kind of get started with an idea and you can convince people to believe in it and get people to work from you and, and convince customers that like you've got something that they want to buy, then the rest of it sort of comes afterwards. So so I, I think it's important to, to do all that stuff to save yourself wasting time. But I think the thing that got my father and I started was we, we had a basic understanding of what we were doing, the space that we we're in that kind of came with us based on our history. But we had a huge amount of desire and passion. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any funding. We didn't have any support from the bank manager, but we had enough to get us going. And I think that that goes a long way. So you started this business with your dad and you winged it. And <laughs> what would you say was you in getting people to believe in you? What Was it your pitch? Was it your passion? If I was to get in the elevator and say, well, Matthew, what is it that you do as we're riding up to my top floor in that 90-second elevator ride? What's your pitch? Well, that, that's another good one because, it, you know, everybody says you really need a good elevator pitch. And I think that's right. You know, there are going to be times where you're going to have one of those opportunities, you're going to be in front of someone and you've got to be able to sell yourself. But for me, sales has been less about pitching and more about asking questions. That's really where I come from. I'm not a smooth talker with a slick pitch or anything like that. But what I was good is I was good at creating connections. And in the sales world, you call that building rapport. I was pretty good at that naturally. That that came with me. I was I was good with, with people. And, and I was a very good listener. And so what I would do before I pitched anything is I would try and understand a little bit about them. I'd ask them a few questions. And then from that knowledge, I would either go out and find a solution to their problem, because that's how I really built the business. We, we, we came up with a, a simple product range. But what we did is we started adapting that by understanding problems that people needed solving. So I used to ask questions where they needed help. And I, and I would then go about trying to solve those problems for people. So you know, if I was in that elevator, I'd obviously narrow it down. And I'd, I'd just use that time to make sure I had some bloody good questions that I could ask them to identify a problem, get their phone number, and then say, right, I may give you a call at some point because I might have something that's interesting to you. So that's kind of the way I started. And even to this day, that philosophy serves me pretty well. In your rise up the elevator and success, you, you are the co-founder of what's called Escape Fitness. Where did that name come from and what does it mean to me, a perhaps a, a potential consumer? This is where all the, the sort of traditional business books uh, go out the window when you, <laughs> when you speak to me. But it's got nothing whatsoever to do with fitness. It's got nothing to do with anything that a consumer would even, you know, latch on to. It was, it was purely an accident. And uh, we had a number of business failures before this one took off. You know, we tried a few different things, including selling clothes into Poland. That was one of the first ventures. And, and, and we maybe that's a, that's a kind of whole podcast for another day. But we had this company and my friend at the time who helped me with this clothing business, who was going to come out with me to Poland, we sort of sat in the car outside of this nightclub where we were running or promoting a party. I did a few things to try and make some money. So we sat outside the back and we say, look, we need some business cards and we need a name for this because we're going out and people give out business cards. So what are we going to call it? And we, we sat there chatting and I said to my friend, look, have you got any thoughts? And he, he said, escape. So I said, 
why escape? What, what does that mean? And he says, well, look, you know, we're, we're trying to escape from where we are. You know, we're not happy where we are. This place we're in, we're in this little village where I lived at the time and there was nothing going on there. And we wanted to escape to something that was a lot better. So I said, well, that's a good name. I, I stuck it on the business card. My dad went to the company's house and registered it as a company. And, and that was it. That was where the name started. Now, that business didn't work. It failed. But when we came to start the fitness company, I was in the same position. So I've got, I had a catalog and I needed a business card. And I had all these business cards that I got printed and they weren't doing anything. And they had my phone number. So I thought, well, look, let's use that. It would save me a little bit of money. And so I gave that out to people. Oh, I'm Matthew. I'm from Escape. And so it stuck. You know, it didn't really make any sense to change it from there. So, yeah, it was a bit of a weird story, but that's how it started. Well, you've been disrupting what's called the home-based <laughs> business, and you've been coming at businesses as you have a success history of, of formulating other businesses. But what is it as far as the business that makes this valuable to escape fitness of having me have a home-based gym? So we were truly a home-based business. We started from my father's spare bedroom. We didn't, as I said before, we didn't have any money whatsoever. So he had a spare room. We used to come home in the evenings. My dad would help out with the books and my mum would answer the phone if ever it rang. And we used to sort of you know, <laughs> get all excited when that used to happen. And then I would do the same. I'd sort of work with my regular job. We were all doing two things at the same time. We got the business start. I think we got the business to about a million pounds sterling, which is just over a million dollars, purely within stuff that we did part-time. So that's how we started. And I'd recommend, similar to yourself, if you've got what it takes, it's a great way to sort of get going if you can bring in some friends and family and you've got a shared vision about where you want to go and you all understand your strengths and weaknesses because that's important to get from the from the outset because as you know when you're small it's very easy to fix a lot of these disputes you know family businesses are difficult working with with friends is difficult so getting the ground rules established before you've made any money is always a good thing and i would say if you take one thing away from this podcast i would say do that and make sure you're planning for when you attend to 20 to 30 million business as opposed to when you're just glad to, you know, to bring in a sale of a thousand dollars, because one day you'll be there, and a lot of these things that you could set out in the beginning are very important when you look back. So that's the first thing. In terms of home base, we're predominantly selling. We're a B two B business. We sell to most of the major fitness clubs that you'll see, 24-Hour Fitness and Equinox and UFC, all the major brands we sell to, and they use our equipment for their clients. As we've been going through this year, a lot of those have been closing. So we've had to find different channels. But our business model is very much about selling through distributors and resellers, which I would class as B2B as opposed to B2C. So if I go into a gym when they're open and I go up and I pick up some weights, how do I know I'm lifting with the products that are using the services that you've come up with and that I'm using at that moment? So you'll see a skate on a lot of fitness equipment, you know, maybe it's in your gym. We're, we're in 80 countries around the world. So there's a good chance that you'll go to a hotel or a gym somewhere and you'll see it. So have a look out for that little Escape logo. But we took the approach, it, it's difficult to sell B2C. And if you can do it and if you can create a an audience and a community and a following, then fantastic. But if you can't do that, it, it's very difficult and expensive to get to those end users. So what we focused on is developing fantastic products. We put a lot of our money resources into developing fantastic products. And then we find people that have got those routes to market that are already servicing a great community of consumers. And then, you know, making sure that they've got the ability to make money from our products, the right margins that they need. And then they basically distribute those to the end users. So 
that's really the, the approach we take. And, and you can go either way, but it's just one that we've developed and, and evolved. And we do a pretty decent job of it now after over 21 years. As far as your product, I see that you have a lot of iron products. They don't wear out much, do they? I get where you're going with the question. So two answers to that question. One is, I guess, with a Mercedes within our category. So we build stuff that lasts and, and looks good for a long time, which is great. You know, So if you come to Escape and you invest in our products, yes, we're a little bit more expensive, but it's not going to break down. It's, it's not cheap junk from China, which right. a lot of people sell. But the challenge with that is it doesn't break. So then you know, where's the repeat orders from customers? So the way we deal with that is we constantly come out with new ideas, new designs, new products, so that people are, you know, we're, we're offering somebody something new with a slightly better feature or functionality and, and that sort of thing. So whilst there's not, a, you know, some of our steel frames that we put in, you know, they're going to last you forever. You'll never need to replace them, but you'll probably get bored of what they look like, or maybe there's some extra functionality that you want to add. So that's the way that we get customers coming back to us over time. We also sell a bunch of more soft consumable products. So like, you know, things like yoga mats and boxing gloves, where again, over time, you know, like a pair of shoes for hygiene reasons, you're going to want to replace them. Sure. Um, so, so we have those types of items as well in our offering. And you're dealing in the B2B. So for those that are out there, like myself, when you are dealing in the B2B market, what was the biggest obstacle that you had and that you overcame to get to that first B2B so that they would say, all right, Matthew, I'm going to give you a shot. What did you have to give them? What would it take to get them and how would you do it differently? I've got an interesting story that kicked off our business and it really reflects the attitude and, and uh, mindset that we have as a company. And it's one of those things that I hope we don't ever lose. But, you know, as you get bigger, the, the original intention can, can get a little bit diluted. But the story goes, when we started the company, I managed to get the distribution rights of a product range as did a, a kind of competitor at the time. So two of us were pitted against each other. And, you know, one of them was definitely the favorite. If you look at the horse <laughs> racing world, you know, they, they were definitely the favorite. The rider was good. The horse was good. They should have won the race. And then there was me, which I was an outsider, you know, no pedigree whatsoever, no experience. So well, you, I, you I were sitting in the, in the horse racing. You were sitting in the also-rans. <laughs> Exactly. That, that's really where I would have been if you looked at my form on paper. So what happened was they, this customer moved a lot quicker. They took this product to one of the biggest operators in England at the time who were, you know, had these massive expansion plans and, and managed to secure the deal. I didn't even know who these group were at the time. So anyway, I got a call on a Friday afternoon from one of the people that worked with this organization to say, look, we've just got this product from your competitors, this other company. They're not exactly what we ordered. Uh, we've got this grand opening on Saturday morning in a place called Huddersfield, which was probably about, I'm guessing, three or four hours away from where I was at the time. And I was working in my day job. So I get this call and the guy says, look, can you help? And I, I sort of, you know, I said, look, let me think this through. I'll call you back in five minutes. So I checked with my mum. I said, have we got any of these dumbbells in our garage at home? And he says, yeah, well, you know, we've got, we've got a spare set. So I thought, okay, great. I, I called this guy back and I said, look, I finish at 5.30 Friday. I said, I've got a set. I can put them in the back of my Jeep. I can drive them up there. It's going to be, I'm not going to get up there till late because I'm in Peterborough. You're up in Huddersfield. It's a long drive. But I said, if you're prepared to wait for them, I'll drive them up and drop them off. And then you're ready. I'll pick up the old ones and you're ready to go on Saturday morning. He said, fantastic. So finished work, stuck, weighed all these dumb weights in the back of the car. You know, the car was tipping <laughs> down at the back as I drove up this motorway on a Friday evening, dropped them off. 
And the guy says to me, he said, right, I, I'm, I'm so pleased with what you've done. He said, this is just fantastic service. He said, look, here's the card for my boss. He said, he's, he's purchasing for the whole group. He says, we're going to be one of the biggest groups in Europe over the next few years. He said, look, you need to talk to him because I think, you know, I love what you, your attitude. And he said, I think there's a great opportunity for you. So he gave me that card. I got back on Monday, called up his boss. We had a bit of a chat, a little bit of negotiation. And he gave me the contract. And those guys became the, called Fitness First. They became the biggest fitness club operator in Europe. And I think now they're, they're sort of still up there. And, uh, and we worked with those guys for, for years. And even now, I, I still think we do a little bit with them. And that, that was the break that I needed. Um, and so to answer your question, you know, would I do anything different? No, because what I did, I did everything. I did more than over and above what anybody would ask for me. I, I did something that was difficult that most people didn't want to do, including our competitor at the time that thought, you know, it was probably a Friday evening. I'm not going to do that over the weekend. And as a result, it got us some great business. And I think if you've got that attitude, even when you're a big company, then I, I, you know, I don't think you can go far wrong. You have launched a number of businesses, and that was a very good answer that you wouldn't do anything differently. In this world of business, there are three business killers, and that is legislation, regulation, and litigation. Of those three, which one challenged you the most in the development of this or the other businesses that you've been so successful with since Escape? I think as it relates to what we do, I think the litigation one is in a positive way. That one's been very important to us. And, and that's just specific to our business. I'm sure if you was in another sector, some of those other ones could be higher up there. But for us, we've been selling products which could be classed as commodities. And so how do you differentiate yourself other than price when you're dealing in that type of sector? It's very difficult. And, and so you come up with an idea or a different sort of spin on something that people know, like, you know, how can you innovate on a dumbbell, really? You know, they've been around forever. <laughs> it's a weight with a handle on. But we did that. I don't, know, I don't think we're the first company to create a pattern on a dumbbell, but we, we had a very unique pattern on a dumbbell about how it was constructed. And that sort of spilled out into the overall design of a dumbbell. And we've got that pattern even to this day. So being able to sort of protect your idea and, and you know having people around you that can show you how to do that to give you a point of difference from everybody else is really, really important. Now, going ahead and challenging that IP is quite difficult. Uh, you have to know what you're doing and you have to understand when to get in the ring with someone and, and when not to. There's a, a massive learning process and an expensive one we went through. But we certainly try and come up with unique designs and then we, we try and create some sort of IP around those, whether it's sort of, you know, education materials or whether it's a physical product. And, you know, that's really been our business strategy. And that served us very well, uh, even to this day. All right. So now I have my own gym. Now what? What is it that you're going to do for me to help me get my mind and my body in shape? Because you need both of those if you're going to be a 24-7 small business owner, because those are the hours that we work. What do you got that's going to keep me motivated? I'll kind of answer that question in a slightly different way. And if you are starting your business and you're not from the fitness industry, if you're in the fitness industry, you kind of know what I'm going to tell you. But if you're not, then this is really important to understand. You know, if, if you want to be successful in business financially, if you want to be able to deal with what running a business is going to throw at you, then you need to think about yourself as an athlete because Really, you are. What you're putting yourself through, your body and your mind on a regular basis is probably more than what you would have to if you as a top-ranked NFL player, as an example, because you know they're only on the field for a certain amount of time every week and every month, fairly limited time. 
got a lot of time for training and recovery. And so their performance is fairly limited and they have seasons and they're on on and off seasons and, and that kind of thing. Whereas if you're starting a business, you know, your season is always on, you know, every day is a business day. And so you've got to be able to be physically and mentally prepared to deal with that. And if you're not, if you're, if you're out of shape, if you've got a crap diet, mentally, you're not going to be able to beat anybody that, that is and has got those things in order. So, so the first thing that I think you need to consider is making sure that your mind understands the importance of health, fitness and wellness and diet as for you as a business owner and entrepreneur, go and, and look at the research, to, you know, because we haven't got time to cover it here. But I just make sure that you realize the important part that that plays in what you're going to do, because you're the one who's going to be heading up this ship. You're the one that people are going to be looking for to, right. to give them guidance. You're the one that your customers are going to be on the end of the phone and you're going to have to be bringing your energy and your creativity and, and and everything that goes with that to convince them to buy the product. And then when things go wrong, which they will, I don't know anyone where things don't go wrong, you're going to have to get up in the morning with the same level of excitement and enthusiasm as you had when you was trying to sell to that person, convincing them to buy from you. So first thing is you've got to understand the place of fitness from a mental perspective, because you know that, that comes before you get your body engaged. So first thing is mentally realize that that's the most important thing that you've got to get right. And if you don't have an exercise program or a trainer, then start thinking about getting one. The second thing is diet. Um, you know, what you eat, when you eat, how you eat is equally important because you're going to be working long days. You know, I, used to, I was doing two jobs when I started. So unless you've got the right kind of food to fuel you and to keep your brain functioning at its optimum level, you're, you're screwed. You're never going to be what you need to be because the business is relying on you when you're starting. You haven't got a team of people you can hand things off. So make sure you get someone or you read in and you understand the kind of foods and, and drinks and supplementation you need to put yourself in the best position. Third thing is fitness. You know, what you're going to work out. I would escape fitness have got a bunch of really, really simple and easy training tools that you can use at home. And you don't need to go to a gym. And if, for me, I don't always have time to spend, you know, 20 or 30 minutes driving there, working out, getting a shower and coming back. I need to be able to get that workout really, really quickly so it doesn't cut into my day. We've got a few really, really cool training. We obviously do dumbbells and kettlebells, but we've got some really nice tools, things like the Vector, Bulgarian bags, sandbags, grippers, all these core bags, all these tools which you can create a simple workout at home just to keep yourself in shape. And if you, know, if you want advice on what sort of things are important, get some cardio. All you need is a pair of running shoes. Just you know, 20 minutes cardio is fine. Do some strength training, which where you'd buy some products that escape off of Bulgarian bags, sandbags. You want to be doing some strength training. Right. Um, and then some basic mobility stuff. And, and if you want to know how to use those products, check out Escape Fitness website and our YouTube channel. There's tons of stuff where we can show you how to use it. Or go and get a personal trainer. Get someone that can show you what to do based on the lifestyle you've got. And then final thing, which is really, really important that most people forget about. And if you listen to a lot of the rubbish that's out on the internet at the moment, it's like, you know, Work, 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 don't rest, you know, sleeps for wimps and all that rubbish. <laughs> One of the most important things that you got to realize is, um, and the elite athletes around the world realize this more than anyone, is recovery. You've got to make sure you're rested in recovery. You need to sleep. You need to be taking time off. You've got to regenerate your mind, your body, your brain. You know, and I've done this. I've, I've done, you know, 17, 18, 19 hour days, five, six, seven. We've all done it. You'll probably lose your marriage, you'll lose your business, and you'll probably lose your health at the same time. So you've got to make sure that you're planning that recovery time in so you can sprint, give it everything you've got, 
then you recover. And if you've got that balance going right, then you're going to be you're setting yourself up for success. And what I've noticed with your program is that you have an app, too, that helps with keeping you motivated. You get up in the morning and you head down towards the coffee and you walk right past what used to be one of many clothing racks, which was a treadmill that I used to have. I've had a couple of those clothing racks and weight decks and things. You've got to get motivated to do it. And I see that you've got an app here for the Apple and the Android. For me, that's what I need is something that's going to stand behind me and say, let's get her done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the challenging things I think most people will find if they've not worked out before, you know, I've been doing it over 30 years. So I've built that mental ability to get in even when, you know, you feel crap and it's raining or cold outside and you've got to go in the cold gym and work out. I've developed that over 30 plus years. Most people won't have that. So one of the things that I'd recommend you do is find someone that will hold you accountable. You know, once you're in there and you've got your body temperature up and you're moving, it's a lot easier. But the most difficult thing is to get into the gym or get into your, you know, your garage or wherever you're going to work out and do that on a regular basis. So if you can book a trainer or a virtual trainer, even if it's once a week, make that investment because right. that's the thing that you're going to struggle with is keeping it up. We know this. The research is out there. 15% of the population work out regularly. The rest of the people don't. But the most difficult thing to do is to stick with it. So if you've got someone that can hold you accountable, the exercises are pretty straightforward. You know, there's a load of people out there. We give all that stuff away for free. But what you need is you need someone to hold you accountable so you actually do what you're supposed to do. And if you can, if you can get that sorted, you're in a pretty good place. And who in your family keeps you accountable? I used to compete as a junior and I've been through having training partners and not training partners and people leaving me in the middle of a competition and everything. So over the 30 year period, I've built that up to be able to be pretty good at myself and hold myself accountable. But also I'm, you know, I'm in the fitness business. I've, I've got thousands of people around the world that sort of, you know, interact with our company in a year. And, and so for me, it's about leading by example. And I, and I suppose I, I have to be an example of the products that we sell and develop. And so I suppose that in some respects holds me accountable because I, you know, I've, I've got to walk the talk really, as they say. That's right. You can't be a couch potato being the, <laughs> the, the forefront of an outfit called Escape Fitness. No. When it comes to starting up other businesses, this experience of being the co-founder of Escape Fitness, what did that teach you to find opportunities to be able, as I call it, putting spokes in a wheel that make the wheel turn faster, easier? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to put a spoke in it. And each time you put one in, another one comes along and you make that business operate even smoother, as my audience has learned. What were those spokes that you found that were easier to put into a new wheel when you started other startup businesses? This is something that catches a lot of people out. There's a guy called Keith Cunningham. He calls these shiny pennies. And But the problem is when you have a little bit of success, you know, success attracts success. So if you're making waves, you, you know, you're suddenly going to get people calling you out of the woodwork, asking you to get involved in new opportunities and asking you if you want to distribute a particular product. And when you've never had that before, it's quite flattering. It's like going out to a to a bar when you're younger and having sort of, you know, all the boys and girls around you and you kind of feel pretty special. But the problem is that's, well, that situation itself creates a challenge because <laughs> you can only really choose one without getting yourself in trouble. And the same for business. You know, we, I've done this. I've had a look at these opportunities and, and they're great. You know, everyone alone, if that's all you was doing, you think, yeah, this is fantastic. But 
I think a lot of people that may not have a ton of business experience, they underestimate the amount of work that's required. You know, managing the company that you're distributing, just that alone is a, is almost like a full-time job because they're going to be wanting you to perform and wanting to do all kinds of stuff. And so managing them is number one. You know, managing the, the message to the customer, managing how those products go through your business, the complexity, the education that's required. So I think you've got to be very careful when you do that. Now, if I was speaking pre-COVID, I would say, you know, be aggressive and be ruthless about those opportunities you take on because everyone is going to take away from your time that you have with your family. And in most cases, people create a second business to give them more time and money. But in reality, that doesn't happen. So be very careful with what you take on. Now, going through this year of COVID, Many people are in a position where the market's totally dried up. And so the people they were selling to either are not in that market for those products whatsoever anymore, or your supply chain could have dried up. And so in this year, I think you've got to probably accept that there's going to be different rules. And you may have to look for other opportunities that can make the most of the skills that you've got in your business. So for us, we're a sales, marketing, import, export, warehousing business. You know, those are our key functions, you know, selling, marketing, importing, warehouse and distribution. That's really what we're geared up to. So although we're in the fitness sector, arguably you could put anything in that down to toilet rolls that are being made in China because all of those, the shipping, the the paperwork, the processes could apply for that. So my advice is if you are going to need to use that word pivot, which everybody says, is just make sure that you're doing it whilst you're utilizing what I call your DNA or, or your core business strengths. You know, don't suddenly go into a totally different area that you've not been in before when you're in this difficult period. That's probably my advice on that one. Well, opportunity breeds other opportunities and success breeds other opportunities for success and failure as well. The gyms have been shut down out here in California. We can't go anywhere. If I have been working or someone who's involved in fitness, this sounds like a a business opportunity for a personal trainer as well as get my clients who have been going to gyms or get those interested in getting that mental and physical buildup. Going through Escape Fitness and your website, this sounds like a great opportunity to create a business that perhaps I'm not even in by helping other people get fit. Yeah, absolutely. Like if there's been any time in history where health, fitness and wellness has been more important than it's now. You've got two things going on. We're we're in California as well. So we're quite fortunate compared to most places in the world. But in general, you know, people are inside. They're not getting a lot of sunlight. They're not eating particularly well. They're not moving too much, which is everything that you wouldn't want to do if you want to kind of create a body that is able to fight something like COVID-19, as an example. You know, what you want to be doing is getting plenty of vitamin D. You want to be moving. You want to be, you know, getting fresh air. You want to be eating a good diet. You don't want to be drinking too much alcohol. That's what you need to be doing. So I think people have realized that, but they're not able to go to gyms because in California, they're, you know, they've closed gyms as in many places around the world. So if you're a trainer or thinking of becoming or qualifying for a trainer, then, you know, you've got a massive opportunity there to help people that are stuck at home of all different levels, you know, whether they're business executives or whether they're stay-at-home mums that are dealing with the stress of homeschooling and everything that goes with that. There's a brilliant opportunity. What you've got to do, though, is you've got to understand, you know, who is the audience that you're going after? And you don't have to worry of whether you're, you know, super highly skilled trainer, because in most cases, people just need to be held accountable and they need to move. So if you can go out and, and, and learn the skills and, and be able to create an audience, that's probably something that you've got an affinity to, that you understand and that you could connect with. 
then yes, there's a there's a fantastic business opportunity. Well, I have found that the older I get, the more often I am reminded of my what I call youthful indiscretions. When did that pain happen? And trying to exercise around those pains has been a challenge. And yes, I have gone out and gotten a trainer so that I don't worsen that which I've done to my body in my past life. I see this is a great opportunity for somebody to get involved in their own neighborhood and keeping people accountable and utilizing not only the app and the workout programs that you have, but also the equipment that they could end up marketing them as well. There's always opportunity. It's recognizing the opportunity and seeing how you can put that spoke in the wheel. You don't have to reinvent the dumbbell. That's already been done. You just have to show the people how to use it properly. You know, if you are a trainer, like we have an affiliate scheme, as do many other companies. And so, you know, if you are out there talking to people, yes, you can sell your services, but you could also sell a product without having to necessarily build your own website, hold any stock, deal with any payments or anything like that. So if you found a company like Escape and you've got a client that's looking for some tubes or dumbbells or bands, then partner up with someone like us. You know, you get a code, you, you make money off it you can offer your clients a discount so so there's other things that you could do to generate some cash flow without really having to do a lot apart from putting people together so you know that's the other thing to think about the way you know when i started the company none of those types of things were available you you had to kind of do it all yourself but nowadays there's a lot of great tools and solutions out there where you can start to bring in some money tomorrow if, if you wanted to well technology has been a great resource for the what you described as the affiliate marketing and being able to be accountable and hold someone else accountable because of that code do it all the time here at Business Soup. Matthew, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this serving of Business Soup on disrupting the home-based business. I see opportunity. Check out the website at Biz Soup where you can get the transcript as well as the links to Matthew and Escape Fitness. Matthew, thank you for being a part of this serving of Business Soup. Thank you, John. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.